Welcome to the Raised to Stay podcast. I'm Natalie Runyon, your host, and I'm so glad you are joining us. I pray that every episode introduces you to a Jesus you've always wanted to know and reminds you that out of all the reasons we have to quit, we have one reason to stay, Jesus. All right, guys, I am here with Lauren Caldwell, and she is a worship leader and a wife and a mom. And we actually know each other from Ohio back in our uh, Ohio Buckeye days. And so, Lauren, welcome to the Raise to Stay podcast. I'm so glad you're here with us. Thank you. I'm so honored. I feel like this is just the Lord's timing, and I'm, I'm just grateful that we get to do this together and be a part of what God's building in this community. Me too. And let's talk about how we know each other. So we're probably what, like 12, 13 years apart. And we were both worship leaders in Ohio, actually kind of for the same church, just different campuses at a time. So tell me a little bit about what you do. Tell us about your family and how you've ended up in ministry overall. Yes. Um, So I I love how we know each other. I remember when I got on staff as a worship leader and our pastor said, hey, go find a mentor who's doing what you're doing right now. Find someone who is um, who has been in ministry for longer and ask the Lord who that is and just lean into them, ask them for wisdom. And immediately you were highlighted, Natalie. And I said, okay, let me ask her. And um, it's been fun because I've gotten to just watch you um, grow through different seasons. And it's encouraged me so much from afar and up close. And I've cried on the phone with you, I'm sure. And we've <laughs> when you're ready to go and you say, no, okay, what is God saying? Um, that's just, um, that's how you've impacted me in that way. And um, so I started, so I'm uh, I just turned 30. So sorry if that gives away all of our ages, but uh, <laughs> um, I just turned 30 last year. And so I've been leading worship since I was 12, but I was in full-time ministry um, around the age of, I think I was either 19 or 20 is when I became on staff for a church full-time and I was a worship leader. And from that space, I remember just uh, actually when I grew up, the Lord um, had placed it on my heart that I wanted to be in music, but not in this way. I didn't know it was going to be like this. And so um, just the aspect of loving people, but I've always loved people. And so leading worship has been just an extension of that. I'm getting to use the gifts he's given me to pour into um, just minister to the father. um, And then he ministers to his people. So that's been the shift. But and now I work for a church full-time as well as worship leader, and I oversee some other departments as well. But my primary role is to steward our worship community for the campus that just launched in Waco, Texas. So we're we're in Texas now. I love it. It's fun to see sometimes how the mentor can become the mentee. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to say uh, publicly, Lauren, that you have been just as much of a pastor to me, especially in the last mm-hmm. five years. Uh, launching Raise to Stay and just knowing that I have an intercessor. You guys, Lauren is such an intercessor. She is such a cheerleader and champion of other people. And, you know, it's interesting when God does align us with mentors, we don't realize like how that relationship is going to evolve over time. So I just want to say thank you for praying me through, uh, especially in this season. (laughs) So I just, it's, it's just a beautiful thing, the family of God. I, I love that even you're sharing that mentor-mentee relationship. I've loved watching even the young women that I mentor, how we've become just friends. And it's been this beautiful iron sharpening iron. And my favorite part is that shift where it happens. You're like, oh, like 
you're you're mature in the spirit and you can make important to me. And so what an honor that I get to stand beside you. I know you're carrying something so beautiful and, and weighty and it requires so many people to help carry his presence in that way. So I'm honored. It does. It's like carrying the Ark of the Covenant. We're all oh, underneath yeah. it, right? We're all yes. underneath it and we've mm-hmm. all got a hand on it. And yes. there is something beautiful that God is birthing in his church right now. And, you know, guys, if you're in the church and you're on a staff, it's really easy to get burned out and get into the weeds of like day to day activity. But when we really stop and pause and see what God is doing in individual lives and we yeah. see what he's doing in individual families, And that we get to be an active part in carrying the presence of God into our churches, into the families. It really is a massive responsibility that never grows old and it never is the same. It's always different. Now, you you don't have a voice really today because you guys have been in (laughs) prayer meetings and worship services. Talk to me a little bit about what it is that you're doing down in Waco right now. Yes. So we just launched our Waco campus. I go to Mercy Culture Church. I just, I love our church. It's such a blessing. And we launched our campus last Easter. And we, let's say we moved to Texas when I think it was 2018. So right before we launched Mercy Culture in general, which is in Fort Worth, Texas. And we actually moved here because we were going to help serve another vision that our current worship pastor had for creatives. And so we moved here because we were going to help support that. And it's actually all about carrying the presence of the Lord on our shoulder in that way together. And we got here and the Lord said, no, 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 no. Actually, I brought you here for mercy culture so we could grow in health. And so I've been a part of different church staffs and other things before. And this has been such a healthy journey. I feel like everyone who is on staff and who serves at our church, so we don't have a huge staff, which is funny because we have a huge church, but our staff is not ginormous. So it does feel like, you know, we're all carrying his presence in an intentional way, but we have just some really healthy, like our vision and our our values. And we have unique characteristics, which are just the reason why the Lord asked us to plant a church here. And then we have leadership standards. And so that's kind of, we break apart just our culture and, and what God is building here. And we we felt like the Lord was just asking us to come to Waco. So that actually wasn't the plan. Waco, Texas was not on the plan of how many churches we launched and all that stuff. That is not it. And the Lord said, would you go after my heart in Waco? And Waco is actually called the heart of Texas. So we about, I think it was 2021, we were asked to just pray about helping to launch this campus through worship. And my husband was on staff for another department. And we immediately heard the Lord say yes, but we also were sad because we knew, oh, all of our friends are in Fort Worth. Like we've developed such deep relationships here. And um, it was a pioneering season where, and it's still pioneering. We've only, we're only about eight or nine months old now. It was, do we want to leave everything that we've known to go and plant what we know, but have to start from the beginning? But um, it's been amazing because we've just seen the city of Waco just come alive. We launched two services yesterday, which is amazing. We bought a building in the spring of last year, we're renovating it right now. It should be done in a few months. But we've been meeting in tents. So this is the fun part. This is what I want to share. We've been, for lack of a better uh, language, we found ourselves homeless in Waco as a church. And we said, okay, Lord, what do you want to do? And the Lord said, would, would you meet me in the tent? And so we got tents. We purchased tents. We got them all set up in a week. And we had church that next Sunday. <laughs> and we have kids ministry. They have two tents for kids. We've got babies and young kids and then the older kids. And then um, another tent for MC Connect, which is our membership process where people can learn how they best connect with God. And then we worship in the big tent. So we call it the big tent, kind of like, you know, you grew up calling it big church. <laughs> so we've got the big tent and man, it feels like the Israelites who were just in the wilderness, but they got to meet God in such an intimate way. And so I feel like all of us feel like Moses and Joshua and the Levites that are just 
experiencing his glory in a way that we've never experienced before. It's ah, it's so beautiful. It is beautiful. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast specifically is we're talking about staying through uncertainty. Mm. And so much of ministry feels like it's already mapped out for us. You know, we're looking for the churches that require probably very little of us. If we're honest, Mm. we want to be able to go into kind of a plug and play environment where we already have the sound and we already have the platform and the fancy Sunday school rooms and a lot of us who have pioneered know how hard it is to start something from the ground up, but there is something beautiful about being with the body of Christ when you are just the presence of God, yes. you, the family. So talk to me about a time you've been scared through all of this, where you just thought, Lord, we were obedient. We moved from Ohio to Texas, and this is actually taking a different turn. Tell me about a time you guys were scared. Like you and your yes. husband were like, what have we done? <laughs> Which time do you want me to tell you? (laughs) There's so many. I love this. So our church, it's so funny. I say this all the time. I believe the Lord brought us here to Texas so that we could really take to heart this phrase that has turned into an anthem for our church. And so there's a song that we released called Fear Go. And the whole song is Fear Go, Holy Spirit Come, Burn Like a Fire, Blow Like the Wind. And that's the whole song. It was this prayer that our pastor prayed and it turned into a worship song. So all of our songs that we release from Mercy Culture are just, they're literally songs that just came from a prayer or, or in our worship room that someone was link, singing like a lyric and then it was birthed on a Sunday morning or in a rehearsal. And so we write songs very differently in that way where it's it's not, let's sit down and write a song. It's, hey, what pieces do you have? And, and then we bring them together in that space. And it usually happens in a worship setting. But I believe that we were brought to Texas so that we could kick fear out and we could welcome Holy Spirit in those moments because it's become easier. Um, but in those moments, let me think of a few. When we first moved here, we didn't have a, like, I had a job. So that was actually the Lord where it was hard for a company that was making more money than I've ever made in my life. I didn't know how to steward it either. <laughs> but, and we just, we didn't have a place to live yet. We had a job. We had a car and we had no place to live yet. And so we just asked a friend like, hey, do you know anyone that would let us live there? And it was myself. My husband spent one more month in Ohio so he could finish out a job he was working on. And then we had our oldest daughter, her name was Cadence. And I was pregnant, very pregnant with our second daughter (laughs) and kind of felt like Mary and Joseph, like, okay, where's the room for us? (laughs) And we found an amazing family that we're still friends with right now. They actually live in Colorado as well. Now they do, but we we didn't know where we're going to live. And then from there, we, we really just trusted God. You brought us to Texas um, and Lord, you're going to provide the place for us to live. And um, the Lord opened up some crazy doors. We got to work for another ministry that was called Apartment Life. And we got to serve in a, an apartment community. But that was one time. But I want to share another time that really we had no idea what was happening. It, it hurt us even financially and, and spiritually and emotionally. So when we were praying about moving to Waco, we knew the Lord had told us to buy a house um, and it was, it didn't make sense on paper for us to buy a house at all. We'd been working at the church so we had a nice steadier income. My husband's into media and he has businesses that he owns. So it's just kind of, it's good money, but it's, it comes when it wants, when the Lord wants it to come. So uh, we were praying about moving here and there was just this, okay, God, you've, we've planted roots here in Fort Worth. How do we uproot our family and go? And what scared me the most, what was most fearful was our our kids had found their friends. They found their people. I'm an adult. I've I've made friends and lost friends and made them in multiple cycles. But I kept asking the Lord, what about our kids? What about our kids? What about them? They were plugged into a great Christian school that's run by our church. And so like we just were so spoiled in Fort Worth, honestly. It felt like we had been spoiled by the goodness of the kingdom of God. <laughs> and moving here, our biggest fear was what about our kids? What will they experience? 
And so we end up moving here. And this was the scary part. Our lease was over in July. And the Lord said, hey, don't renew your lease. Just move to Waco. And we said, well, where in Waco do you want us to move? And he highlighted a city. And it's one of the most expensive suburbs in Waco. And we said, Lord, are you sure that's what you said? He said yes, and he confirmed it. There were three other couples in our church that heard the same city, and we didn't even know the city. My husband was praying one day, and he was like, have you heard of this town? And I said, that's a suburb in Waco. He said, oh, I feel like that's where the Lord asked us to move. I never heard of it. And so we look it up, look at all the specs, and we're like, okay, God, on whose budget? And anyway, we get to this city, and we're contending for this house that we thought was ours. And we moved here in July. We still didn't have a house. So we were staying in with a friend for a couple of weeks and then we stayed in hotels for a few weeks and another friend. And it was just wearing our family down and, and the money that we were saving was going down. And it was scary because we didn't know just, God, what is it? What does it look like to trust you, but also to walk in wisdom and balancing the two? I think a lot of times we can tell people, oh, use wisdom. And it really is. You make the plan. You figure it out, people. You get it together. But we were trying to do both. Like, Lord, you've given us, we want your wisdom. We don't want the world's wisdom of, okay, save this much, then you can do this and you can do that. Lord, if that's what you're asking us to do, great. But we want your heart and your mind for what you want our family to do. And so we we heard him say to move in July. So we moved in months. Like I said, we were staying in hotels with friends and we applied for a home. We sent in an offer and um, we're contending. We're believing this is our home. We have all of our prayer warriors contending. This is the home. We saw visions in the home and we don't get the house. And we don't get it. Someone else gets it. And we're kind of distraught. We're like, Lord, what? We thought you said this was the home. Like we thought we saw visions of people encountering you here. We saw, we felt the presence of God. We felt that this was a part of the city that you wanted to bring your kingdom to. And last year, our word for our church was expanding territory. So we were partnering with that word. We're like, God, you said this. And it was hard for us. We I remember sitting outside of the home that we thought we were going to get and just praying before we knew we didn't, we didn't have it. And we were praying, Lord, if, if we're the rightful owners of this home, um, would you give it to us? And if we're not, would you give it to the rightful owners who will steward it the way that you want it to be stewarded? And we're crying. We're reading scripture in our car because we don't have a home. <laughs> When we didn't get it, we just were, we were sad and we we're like, man, like it was the blue house. We call it the blue house. But I felt like the Lord just encouraged us. I'm teaching you how to contend. That's what I heard him say. Like, I'm just teaching you how to contend. We thought the outcome was that we're going to live in this home, but he was just, I want you guys to dream bigger. And so the fear of not knowing where to go actually pushed us into a new level of faith, new level of contention. We're praying, fear go, Holy Spirit come. Like we want to be led by the Holy Spirit, not by fear. So we applied for another home. And the happy ending of the story is that we got another home and it's better because there's there's just so much more that the Lord can do in the home. Like you said, we want to look for places that are easy, plug in. It's beautiful. We only had a few fixes on that first home to do. And the home that we're in now, there's a lot more to fix. But the Lord is like, I've called you and your family to pioneer. That doesn't stop with your jobs. And I've called you to bring the kingdom of God into this community. It doesn't stop with just your, your job. So I love that story because it was scary, but it pushed us. I think those moments of fear where the enemy tries to let fear sit on you, I feel like the Lord allows it so that you can tell it to go. Then you expand territory where that fear wanted to take territory. I just love it so much. And I have so many thoughts on it because I believe that there are people listening to this, stayers and new people to this podcast who have literally, you know, stopped being obedient because they were afraid. Mm. And the word of God says that the love of God, it casts out fear, that his perfect love, it casts out fear. And so many of us know that God is calling us to expand our territories and not in a prosperous way, uh, but spiritually yes, and yeah. um 
and prophetically. And fear is the one thing that's stopping us because we're thinking of our kids. We're thinking of our finances. We're thinking of so many things that we have no control of if we just leave the perfect scenario and go into the unknown. How are you teaching your kids Mm. to just be just in full abandonment to the will of God. How are you guys modeling that? I mean, obviously physically, but what is some language you put around it, especially for your oldest? Absolutely. This is a great question. We had a day the other day where maybe a couple of months ago, actually, our daughter, our oldest daughter, she said, I just miss my friends. Like, I want to go back. She said, I want to go back. (laughs) And like, as a mom who knows the word, and I know when the Israelites said they wanted to go back, it was not a good situation. I rely so much on the Holy Spirit. I don't know how anyone parents their kids without the Holy Spirit. I don't know how anyone does anything (laughs) without the Holy Spirit. But I remember in that moment, just the Lord reminding me to tell her like, hey, obedience to the Lord is the best thing that we can do. I said, do you know why? I said to her, I was so vulnerable and authentic. Authenticity is one of our family values and one of our church values. And so in that value, the definition talks about creating safe places for people to be authentic. And uh, so the first thing I said to her was like, honey, I want to go back too. Like, I was just very honest with like, there are days where I just want to go back. It would be easier. It would be easier to find a job in Fort Worth where I could do the amount of days where I wanted to quit my job and just thought, hmm, I could work at Chick-fil-A and make 25 an hour. And <laughs> when I wouldn't have to deal with the the unfun things, the non-fun things and the moments where you have to have conversations with people who are full of other spirits that are not the Holy Spirit. And you have to uh, confront them in that space. Like, There are moments where there have been people that I love that have said, you don't love people. How dare you call me out on this? And just moments where I've wanted to quit and wanted to go back to safety. And so I said to our daughter, I said, oh, honey, I want to go back sometimes too. I said, but you know what I want more than going back? I want to be obedient to the Lord. I want him to be pleased with what we're doing. Um, And I just reminded her that obedience brings favor. And obedience is, and more than favor, I think, we use that word favor and it feels like this like stamp of God can put his hand on you. You can do whatever you want. But for me, favor is that distinct presence of God, that intimacy with the Lord. I want that favor where I'm so close to God that I can hear what he's saying in a whisper. When Moses was contending for the favor of God in Exodus 33, it wasn't just so that he could get cool things. That wasn't it. It was, hey, God, we need your hand to be honest so that we can be a people who are distinct and that people will know that you're with us and that they'll see your hand. We want to be that intimate with you. And that's where you ask them, would you show me your face, God? Would you show me who you are? Like, that's the favor that we're contending for. And so she was so funny. She kind of nodded her head. She was like, okay, I get that. That makes sense. But in those moments of fear, I know, just even as a parent, some more practical stuff, like our kids don't have nightmares anymore. I remember being 10 years old and telling, so funny, telling the, the devil or telling God, I don't want to have nightmares anymore. And that was how I ended my, I just told him, I don't want to have nightmares anymore. And it wasn't that I stopped having scary dreams, but I knew what to do in them. And I feel like that's what the Lord's trying to equip the body in. We will have moments of fear. Honestly, if we're not afraid, we're probably doing something wrong. Like it's probably, we're not pushing ourselves enough. He's, we're not leaning into what the Lord's saying to do. And so those moments of fear, it's not that we don't have them, but it's Lord teach me how to navigate in this moment. And a huge part of that is saying fear, go. Holy Spirit, you come, you minister to me. I will not be ministered to by the spirit of fear. I'll be ministered to by the Holy Spirit. So we teach our kids that. We teach that they sing fear go in our house all the time. They know, mommy, I'm scared. Okay, what do you say? Okay, fear go, fear go, Holy Spirit come. Like, and I tell them, say it, say it again. 
say it again until they believe it, feel like a coach more than a mom. But that's kind of what parents are. We're coaching our kids into the maturity of the kingdom where they can fight on their own, like that mentor mentorship. I can't wait till my kids are old enough to, we can just iron sharpening iron in that way, in a new way. So that's what we do with our kids. We teach them to say, fear, go Holy Spirit, come until they believe it. We won't let them leave until they believe it. And what I love about you guys is that you really are a ministry family. And it hasn't always been that way. You know, when the when the woman or the wife or the mom is the main one in ministry, and then our husbands have uh, secular jobs where honestly, they're still ministering and they're still pastoring just in a different capacity. It does feel strange for us as the women to kind of carry that ministry mantle. What has been a really cool thing that you've seen as a woman in ministry, as your family has kind of come around you and joined with you? Yeah, I love this question. So it's funny, my husband has grown up in ministry, but not like on staff or like, he's just served. We've all served in the church. I mean, he's served as like an armor bearer for multiple pastors and things like that before we were ever together. And it's funny, both of us were like, yeah, we never want to do that ever again. (laughs) Um, And we, yeah, we both said we never want to do that. That was a huge part of us even coming on staff. Like we were like, yeah, we said we never do that again (laughs) because it hurt. There were times that hurt. Where, um, like I said before, people that we love, that we've led and just don't talk to us anymore. Or we've had hard moments where in the past we didn't have the language of leaning into that awkward space and building trust. It was just, okay, that's awkward. We're not going to talk anymore. And we didn't want to lose friends. Honestly, if I can be really honest, it was, man, I love the people I'm running with right now. I don't want to lose them to ministry, the, what the enemy tries to do in ministry. So the good thing is that we get to, we've gotten to be in staff meetings together and laugh. And the most practical thing is I don't have to fill them in on anything at the end of the day. We're in the same, the same meetings. Um, but just to be very transparent and vulnerable, when we um, came on staff, my husband was about to launch some businesses that the Lord had said, okay, it's time to launch them. When we asked the Lord, were we supposed to be on staff? He asked us to lay them down for a season. So would you lay these down so you can help build my house? And it was hard for us. My husband is definitely entrepreneur minded and hadn't really had the time or resources to do it until right about that time. And the Lord said, would you lay them down? And so very new transition. My husband has just transferred off of staff so that he could pursue those entrepreneurial things for our family. And so what's different is I feel like, so I'm going to answer your question and it ties into him coming off staff, but we were on staff together for the last year and some change and the unity that happened in our home because we were contending for the same thing, for the same people in the same region, I feel like it propelled us to be able to steward businesses together. Because before it was his business, my job in the church and my important into ministry. And so now I see us, no, no, no. It's if Lauren's in ministry, we're in ministry together. If my husband has a business, no, we have a business and I'm helping, we're helping together steward this. And I feel like it taught us how to carry God's presence together. And we talked about that earlier, carrying the ark. The ark was meant to be carried by people, not on a cart. Our pastor just preached that. And it's easier on a cart, but that's not how you get the presence of God into something. It has to be people carrying it. He just preached last week about the Philistines took the put the presence on a cart to get it out of um, their land. But that's not how you get it into a land. It has to be on the shoulders of people. Um, that's what God designed. So it takes people. So I I think just the beauty of us learning together how to be in unity how to walk in intimacy in that place, how to fight for intimacy and unity. And it's just been fun. We've we've learned to, I say fun and it's not easy, but it is, it's easy in its presence. So we just released another song called Easy. And it's, it's been really, people have been like, that's offensive. Life is not easy. <laughs> like, the song is not that life is easy. It's everything is easy in his presence. And so when we're in his presence and we say, God, give me your, your heart and your mind. 
it makes it easy. When I'm in my own strength, this is hard. If I'm trying to build a worship ministry, develop people in my own strength, in my own thoughts, it's dumb and hard. Like just <laughs> to be clear, it's 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 hard. Marriage is hard without the presence of God. But when we invite him in into ministry together, it makes it easy. Guys, I want you to hear what she said about the presence of God being carried out on a cart and carried in on the shoulders of the people of God. The enemy wants us to believe that we're better on our own or that we don't need the church because the church is just going to hurt us. The church is just going to disappoint us. But there is something powerful that happens when the people of God carry the presence of God on their shoulders into the house and contend for unity, contend yes. for presence, contend for family. Yeah. And it is easier to just let other people do it and mm -hmm. to watch online or um, feel like we can just, you know, experience God in nature or, mm -hmm. you know, just in our own truth. But that's not even a portion of what God has for us. And I do believe that we are better together. And I do yeah. believe that the Holy Spirit is awakening a bride that has been lulled to sleep by promises made that are just nothing but Turkish delight, right? No. We know what happened in the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe when <laughs> yes. Edmund took that Turkish delight from the evil queen. And it was just a, it was just a facade. It was just a, a trick to get him to join her side. And, and the enemy is trying to trick all of us with shiny things that are not even close or compare to what God has for us. And so Lauren, as we wrap up this conversation, if you could say anything to the church right now, what would you say to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? What would you say to us to remind us of the beauty of God and his church? That's so good. I love that we watch um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe a lot in our house um, as we teach our children. I would say just first, I've seen so many of my friends in ministry who have left right before God's about to do what they've been contending for. Like I've seen that pattern happen even over the last two years, just very consistently. It's funny because I think we're content. We're all contending for the same thing. We all want to see the Lord's presence. We all want to see people get transformed and, and to grow in their families and to, to understand each other more and to, and to be one with the Lord. Jesus prayed his last prayer was God. I pray that they would be one like you and I are one, that they would be one. They would understand his love, that they would be one. And if that's the Lord's prayer, anything that we're doing outside of that is actually rebellion to what the Lord asked. Just period, point blank. Like I've had seasons where I, we moved to Nashville and I remember saying, oh yeah, I'm done with church. I don't want to do this. And I found an amazing church because the spirit of God inside of me, it's like, no, 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 no. You need to be one. This is my prayer for you. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, which you do as a believer, he's saying you will be drawn into being one with the family. What I want to say is that there are no perfect churches <laughs> because we're all a part of them. And this is such a cliche thing, but I just, this idea that we're, we're looking for perfection is so, it's not the kingdom. It's not like <laughs> Jesus said that he said, be perfect as I'm perfect. And I think a lot of us think, oh, that means I'm never, never going to mess up. Like looking for this place that is like amazing and nothing wrong ever happens. That is not going to be found here on earth <laughs> until the Lord is here. But we actually are robbing people of opportunities to be made like Christ if we leave. If we 
as people who um, everyone carries a different facet of the Lord, you may carry a facet that is full of justice and your heart is to see justice in the land, which is the Lord's heart. If that's your heart, when you're in those places in the churches that God's assigned you to, when you humbly present, hey guys, this didn't feel like justice or righteousness. Like, can we talk about this? When we raise our hand and we say that we are being the body of Christ, we are helping sharpen other people. We are being sharpened as people come to us and say, hey, this is why we did this. Can you pray about this as well? Like we don't grow by sharpening ourselves. The word says iron sharpens iron. And that iron, that means that that iron is messed up and it needs to be sharpened, both pieces. We have pastors who are leading, who are who are hurting. And we have serve team members who are hurting, feel like they're stewarding too much or they can't steward enough. And if we don't stay to have those conversations, we will actually turn into even more of that sleeping church and we won't grow in the way that we're supposed to grow. And so when I encourage you to stay, it's not just for you, but it's to sharpen those around you as well, that iron sharpening iron. Yeah. I love it. And we're actually recording this episode on Martin Luther King Day, yes. which is a, a sacred, sacred day, just honoring a man who used his voice to yes. come against injustice and who loved Jesus and who we will get to see in eternity yeah. one day. Lauren, give us a favorite quote or a favorite yeah. moment of Dr. King that we could go out on today. I love that Martin Luther King Jr. was not a saint. Like right. <laughs> if you actually study who he was and his life and his marriage, like it was kind of messy. But the Lord used him so mightily. I feel like there's so many people that are looking for leaders to be perfect. But no, God's just looking for a vessel who will continually be transformed. And I believe that if Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was alive to this day, that you would see even more of the kingdom of God shining through him. Yes. We would see just more of the light of God breaking through the darkness in each of us. I read his letters from prison, and I love how he calls the church to action. There was a there was a shift in the end of his his ministry where it wasn't just about racial equality, but about equality in general. And I love that he consistently called the church to action. Anyone that is silent on a matter is agreeing with the matter. But I just want to encourage our, our people that silence does not mean I didn't post to social media or whatever. Like, ask the Lord what your voice looks like. Don't feel pressured to do something because everyone else is doing it. And we've seen that happen so much in the last few years, but saying, no, Lord, how do you want me to use my voice? And that's the first question. And I love that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. helped us to think about, Lord, how do you want me to use my voice? So I want to encourage you guys to use your voice the way that God's asking you to use your voice. And I can't think of a better way to end this entire podcast. Lauren, thank you for your yes. Thank you. Thank you for staying through uncertainty and through... Uh, times where you could have quit and you could have gone and worked at Chick-fil-A for $25 (laughs) an hour. I'm really glad you didn't do that. So (laughs) me too. (laughs) um, I honor you as my sister and as a friend and as a fellow pastor. And I just can't wait to see how God's going to continue to use you and your family in Waco for his glory. So thank you for being here. Thank you. We love you guys. Love you guys. So uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Raise to Stay podcast. As always, give us a like, share. And there is a book coming out July 4th called Raise to Stay that I am so thrilled to be sharing with you. You can pre-order now on Amazon and keep the book alive on christianbooks.com, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble even. So I am just thrilled and so excited for this book to come into the world, Man America, July 4th. So thank you again for listening, guys. We'll see you on the other side side.